Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prangmedic.com. Now let's jump into this week's show. Good afternoon, friends. This is Praying Medic. Today's message is going to be a two-part message. The first part, I'm going to share a dream about President Trump that uh, was shared by a friend of mine. And in the second part, I'm going to teach a little bit about the will of God and healing. Very interesting timing, this dream that my friend had. Uh, He is a prophetic and apostolic leader. That is how most people view him. He's been a friend of mine for years. Um, I respect him. When I got out of my dead church mindset mentality, this guy was the first leader who came along and kind of uh, took me under his wing and taught me about the kingdom. I had a church mindset, and this friend of mine helped me understand the kingdom mindset. Uh, Different perspective, different way of seeing God, different way of seeing yourself, different way of seeing God's purposes in the earth. So this guy's been a mentor of mine for a long time. Doesn't have a lot of dreams. When he does have a dream, it's usually pretty significant. Last night he had a dream about President Trump. I'm going to read this dream. He posted it on Facebook this morning. And it's really, to me, it's comical because I've been praying for my friends to have dreams about the president. You know that hundreds of people have been having dreams about the president. And in those dreams, God is revealing to them things that they don't know about the president. He's revealing secrets. Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. God conceals the deep things of his heart and he reveals them to us in things like dreams and visions. And it's our fun, our glory, our part to Take the dreams, take the visions, take these things and pray about them and and ask for wisdom and try to understand them. If you get around people that are having dreams and talking about dreams, you will start to have more dreams. People ask me all the time, hey, how can I start having dreams? I just tell them, get around people who are having dreams. Get around people who are talking about dreams, who are doing dream interpretation, and you will start to have dreams. Um, that's kind of how it works. It's the same thing with healing. I had, when I started to get around people who were operating in healing, um, it motivated me to go out and heal a lot more people. And I started seeing more, more healing. You are who you roll with. If you hang out with people who are doing supernatural things, you're going to start doing them yourself. That's just that's how it is. You get around people that are interested in politics, you'll start learning about politics and being more politically minded. So this is the dream that my friend had. Uh, His name on uh, Facebook is Al Mack. It's not his real name. He goes by Northwest Prophetic. He's got a a blog that he writes. Had an interesting dream last night. Donald Trump and I were walking back to his car from the restaurant where we had lunch together. We were talking about personal things, not political things. We never made eye contact, but the conversation was friendly and he was engaged and polite. We were surrounded at a distance by polite Secret Service agents. It was not a long walk. We came to his car, the armored presidential limousine, and I stepped back so that they could insert him into the car. 
He apparently changed his mind at the last minute. When I turned around, he was walking off down the street wearing a white suit, surrounded by very confused Secret Service agents. I'm putting this out there for discussion. Let's assume the dream is saying something. The question then becomes, what is it saying? So I gave my interpretation of the dream on his Facebook thread. I'm going to share it with you. To me, this is very typical. The types of dreams people are having about the president. In these dreams, people tend to be in a very low-key atmosphere with the president, usually at a restaurant or talking or they're at their house and they're discussing things. The president usually seems very down to earth, very casual, um, like a regular guy. And that, I mean, that's not how all the dreams tend to be, but in many dreams he's portrayed as very down to earth, easygoing kind of person you could talk to. That's the first thing in the dream. That to me is simply a, a message from God saying that the president is a, is an average guy. He's relatable in ways that many of us uh, don't understand. He relates to us as average people. He does not see himself as higher or better than anyone else. He kind of sees us as his peers, as his equals. That's how he is often portrayed in dreams. That's why his language seems to be crude and unmeasured and unskilled to some people. They're used to really gifted orators and people who use um, $25 words and whose language is not common. But the president is a common person, just like the rest of us. And that throws a lot of people off. But that is how he is often portrayed in dreams. The second part of the dream, he's surrounded by Secret Service agents. To me, that symbolizes... Uh, the first thing I, I thought of when I read that was all the president's men. He's surrounded by people, advisors, people who are giving him counsel, people like Bannon, Kushner, Sebastian Gorka, Ivanka, people who are, are his advisors, his family, his friends, and his staff. And what we see in the White House is a president who is being advised by all these different people. He's surrounded by his staff, and they're giving him advice. And what are a lot of people worried about right now? They saw Steve Bannon resign. They saw Sebastian Gorka resign. There's a lot of people who think that the president is being negatively influenced and he's getting rid of good people because he is being influenced by globalists, and there is this fear and suspicion that the president is going down the wrong path. So a lot of people who were on the Trump train are now getting off the Trump train because they think that the president's agenda has been subverted by the deep state or by other you know, actors, whoever they would be. When, when, on the face of it, when I just look at that, I think, do you understand who Donald Trump is? He is a 70-year-old guy who has made a fortune as a real estate mogul, by making his own decisions, using his own instincts, by moving his own agenda forward, and he is his own man. Do you honestly think that he is going to be moved in the area of foreign policy, domestic policy, or anything else by the wishes of his son-in-law or his daughter? I hate to break it to you, but men like President Trump are not motivated by those types of things. They just aren't. 
they're not influenced as much by other people's ideas as we think they are. Trump will listen to other people and he will take their advice, their suggestions. He'll hear them out. He's a good listener. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Trump is going to do what Trump wants to do. He is his own man. He is not subject to being manipulated by other people's ideas and thoughts the way we think he is. So even though he may have some globalists and he may have some liberals and he may have some you know, other people with agendas that you don't agree with in his staff and his cabinet, it doesn't mean that those people are influencing him. It just means they're filling a position. And as you look at the president's business as a CEO, he's always been a results person. As a CEO of his company, he's always looking for people who can do the job and can do it well and do it efficiently. If these people don't do the job, don't do it well, and aren't efficient, he will get rid of them. You're fired. I'm going to find somebody else who can do it better. Or he gives people the opportunity to resign. In politics, if things aren't working out, you go to the person and say, you know what? Things aren't working out. Maybe you should consider looking elsewhere. And that is a sign that you need to turn in your resignation before you get fired. So a lot of people in Trump's administration end up resigning because they're not a good fit. They're just not a good fit where they are. Bannon was not a good fit in his position. Sebastian Gorka never could get his security clearance issues straightened out. He really didn't like the way the National Security Council was running things. They didn't really care for him. Gorka is a much better person on the outside. When you listen to Gorka on Fox and CNN and MSNBC, and he's going out there uh, establishing and arguing in favor of the president's policies, he's a much more effective person outside the White House on camera. So for people who are concerned that all these key people like Bannon and Gorka leaving, if you're concerned that that is going to be a negative or it's going to have a, a, a bad effect on the White House, don't be concerned. It's, there, there's a plan. Trump knows what he's doing. He's a strategist. And just don't freak out. Don't jump off the Trump train. And don't listen to these people who are you know, running their conspiracy theories past you because all they're trying to do is to stir up concern and worry and fear for no reason. All right, going back to the dream. As the president is about to get into the limousine, he has a sudden change of mind and he starts walking down the road. He's not getting into the limousine with the Secret Service. He isn't, okay, one thing to understand about dreams. In a dream, the vehicle that you're in tends to represent uh, what we call your ministry. It is the way in which you affect other people's lives, whether it is preaching or teaching, or whether it's encouraging or praying for people, that's your ministry, how you minister to how you affect other people's lives. That is often represented by vehicles in dreams, airplanes, cars, boats, things of that nature. The type of vehicle that you're in and the way that it's driving or flying and its behavior and the way that it it responds to you represents how you are functioning spiritually. So in this dream, the president is going to get into a limousine with a bunch of his advisors And then decides, no, I'm going down the road. I'm going in my own direction. I'm leaving my advisors behind. They can follow me if they want, but I'm going this way. I'm not going the direction they want me to go. 
And that is the big thing about this dream that I see. Rather than going into a vehicle with his advisors and the people that surround him and the Secret Service, he's going his own way. He has a sudden epiphany, if you will, a change of heart, and he's walking down the road in a different direction, and he's wearing a white suit. In the scriptures, white typically represents divinity. In Revelation, when uh, the Apostle John is describing what he sees, one like the Son of Man, white hair, white beard, he had a white gown, white robe with a golden sash. White in dreams typically represents something that is heavenly or divine. So Trump is wearing a white suit. What does that mean? To me, that means that he is hearing the call of God. He is following the divine direction that God has put in front of him. That he's found God's path and that he's going to follow that path and not go down the path that his advisors want him to. That, to me, is what I see in this dream. I have been having a lot of dreams about the president. I've been studying dream interpretation for a long time. Um, I think the dream is significant. I think it's relevant. I think it comes at a key time when a lot of people are concerned and worried about what direction the president is going, and they're concerned about the people that are surrounding him. I think this dream is a confirmation to us letting us know we do not have to worry about the people that are surrounding the president. They're not influencing the way we think they are, that the president is making his own decisions and that he is actually walking in the direction that God wants him to walk. And it may also portray in the future a sudden change of course. If Trump makes a sudden change of course in the near future, you'll know that it is a change for the good and not a change for the bad. I trust Trump because I trust that he's following God. I trust that he is hearing God, that he is following the path that God's put before him. I trust God and I trust the president. And so I don't worry about this stuff. I, me and my friends have dreams about the president all the time. And when everyone else is freaking out and jumping off the Trump train, we're like, if you had the dreams that we had, and if you knew what we knew, and if you just saw the revelation that God was showing us, you wouldn't be concerned about the president. I mean, it's good to pray for him. And sometimes he does come up against some difficult decisions, and occasionally he might stumble through some uh, some of the weeds. But overall, I think there is, I really don't think there's much to worry about. He, he marches to his own tune, marches to the beat of his own drum. He is not as susceptible to the deep state influence like people say that he is, so not a whole lot to worry about, I don't think. All right, now that we have that done... When I think about God's will for healing, you can kind of look at some key passages in the Old Testament, and you can see how God was revealing his nature to the Israelites. And a really good example of this is found in the book of Exodus, where um, serpents had come into the camp of the Israelites, and they were being uh, bitten by serpents. And Moses went to the Lord and said, hey, uh, we got all these serpents in the camp. They're biting people. They're dying. Hey, what am I going to do about this? And the Lord says to Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and raise it up in the middle of the camp. And anyone who looks at the serpent will be healed. For I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. In that event, God revealed 
to the Israelites something they didn't know about him. They didn't know that their God was a healer. So anyone who looked at the bronze serpent on the pole was healed of the snake bites. Anyone. Didn't matter how bad they were, how evil, how wicked, what a sinner they were. None of that stuff mattered. Didn't matter if they were alcoholic or a drug addict or a prostitute. If they looked at the serpent on the pole, they were healed. Period. All you have to do is look at the serpent. Okay? And God revealed to them, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. And what that means is God's nature is to heal people. That is his nature. If you get around God and you need healing, he, is, he wants to heal you. He wants to release his healing to you. That's who he is. So if a dog came to your door outside and started barking, are you going to go and tell that dog to stop barking because dogs shouldn't bark? No, because it is the nature of dogs to bark. It's what they do, right? You don't tell a dog to stop barking. Do you teach a dog how to meow like a cat? No, it's the nature of a dog to bark. It's the nature of a cat to meow. It is the nature of God to heal. He can't become a God who doesn't heal because it's not his nature. Trying to just get this through into your mind. It is God's nature to heal us. And here's an interesting related passage. When Jesus came and was speaking before he was crucified, he said this. This is from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus was taking this event in Exodus, and he said, in the same way that God revealed his healing nature through the serpent in the wilderness, where people could be healed. Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole. I will be lifted up on a pole so that whoever believes in me can be healed and can have everlasting life. His crucifixion is a display of God's love and mercy and grace to all mankind, the entire world, everybody. When Jesus died and when he was beaten and when he died on the cross, he was accomplishing a lot of things. His death was a death for us. Isaiah, the prophet, Isaiah lived hundreds of years before Jesus lived, but he saw the crucifixion in a prophetic revelation. And he, this is what he said about it, an event that had not yet happened in time. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So when Isaiah 
saw prophetically the crucifixion and death of Jesus, he said it was done so that he would take our sickness, our disease, our griefs, our sorrows, and our sin. He would give us his righteousness, his healing, his peace in exchange. So on the cross, Jesus was taking all of our junk and he was giving us all of his good stuff. That's the, that is the uh, transaction that happened on the cross. In Mark chapter 2, the friends of a paralytic had ripped up the tiles of a house because Jesus was teaching the scribes and the Pharisees in this house. And there was a paralytic and the, his friends wanted to get him healed. So they tore up the tiles and lifted him up on top of the house and lowered him down through the roof on a pallet with ropes. And it says in Luke's account of this uh, passage, it says that God's presence was there to heal. Uh, Luke actually noted that. This is the account from Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you. It was the Sabbath, by the way. It was the Sabbath. And Jesus is going to heal this paralytic. And the scribes and the Pharisees are giving Jesus a bad time because uh, they thought it was against the law to heal people on the Sabbath. You can't do that stuff. It's the Sabbath. What are you talking about? You're a crazy man. You're not a, you're not a rabbi. You're not a good teacher. Jesus had just told the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. And what did the Jews say? Only God can forgive sin. This man is a blasphemer because he makes himself out to be God because only God can forgive sin. So who does Jesus think he is telling this guy his sins are forgiven? So he says, which is easier to say to him, take up your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, take up your mat and walk. Interesting little conundrum here. First of all, the, the paralytic gets up, picks up his bed that they lowered him down on, and he walks. And now you have a little issue here. First of all, Jesus forgave his sins. And secondly, he healed him physically. And he didn't actually touch him, didn't put mud on him. He just told him, pick up your mat and walk. I have come to an understanding about healing, that there are many different ways in which people can be healed. You can release power. You can exercise authority and command things to leave. You can also make a prophetic declaration. And that's what Jesus did in the, to get this guy healed. He just told the guy, look, pick up your mat and walk. What he was telling him is, do a prophetic act in faith, believing that you can do something that you can't do. And the guy had to exercise his will and straighten out his arms and straighten out his legs and try to get up and walk. If he would not have exercised faith and tried to get up and walk, he wouldn't have been healed. I have actually, I know of many testimonies of people who have been paralytics in wheelchairs where the person came to them uh, and prayed for them and said, I believe the Lord wants you to try to get up out of this wheelchair and walk. And I have seen video of people, this one woman had multiple sclerosis for 30 years. She was in a wheelchair. They were praying over her and she, it took her a while of struggling, but she got up out of her wheelchair and she walked across a platform and that was her healing. So one way in which God can heal people or people can be healed is to exercise faith 
by obeying the command of God. And that's what this paralytic did. He was told by Jesus, get up and walk. And he exercised faith, and that faith healed him. Now, it does not mean that you have to have faith in order to be healed. It's only one of many ways to be healed. Do not think that because you haven't been healed, it doesn't mean you have faith. Not going down that road. Many of the people that I have prayed with that have been healed did not have faith. They were still healed. I have at times prayed for people out of total unbelief and doubt, and they got healed anyway. So don't feel bad if you haven't been healed. Don't think, oh gosh, I don't have enough faith. It's my fault. No, don't think that. I'm just using this as an illustration. It shows one of the ways in which God heals people, but not all of them. There's many different ways. If you look through Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9, and Matthew chapter 10, that, those three chapters are a, uh, a super uh, descriptive lesson on healing. The many ways God heals. You'll see healing through, through exercise of authority, the release of faith. You'll see healing by uh, touch, power, Jesus putting uh, mud in a blind man's eye. You'll see many different types of healing. Casting out demons, all different types. Those three chapters, Matthew 8, 9, and 10, are really, really good. If you, if you want to learn about healing, study those three chapters. It's, it will open your eyes as to how God actually heals people. There's a lot of different ways he does it. You, if you start to exercise that faith, if you start to step out, if you cross that chicken line and you start laying hands on people, expecting them to be healed, you're going to see people healed. I'm telling you, the only way it's ever going to happen is if you step out and just exercise a little bit of faith and take a chance and lay some hands on people and, and try to get them healed. You will eventually see them healed. All right. So one, a key passage to uh, think about in the realm of healing is John 10.10. 10. In that passage, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. So Jesus illustrated the reality of two different kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. And what does the kingdom of darkness do? It is all about stealing, killing, and destroying. If someone has had their stuff stolen, if someone has died, has been made sick, it is the work of the kingdom of darkness. It is the work of Satan. It is the work of demons and fallen angels. All of that stuff falls under the category of the works of the kingdom of darkness. All right. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. In John chapter 3, he said, The Son has not come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. So Jesus is here not to condemn, but to save, to give life, and to bring healing. In the Gospels, every time anyone wanted to be healed and they came to Jesus, he healed them. No exceptions at all. Everyone who wanted to be healed got healed. All who were uh, afflicted with demons were set free. Everyone, without exception. Jesus never told anyone uh, it's the Father's will that you are not healed because he's working out something in your life, because he's building your character, because he needs you to suffer. He's trying to do some divine work in your life. 
Jesus never told anyone that they couldn't be healed or that they shouldn't be healed. It says that he healed entire villages. Now, if it is God's will for us to be sick, to teach us lessons, to build character, then no one in history frustrated the will of God more than Jesus. Because Jesus healed entire villages of people of all sickness, all disease, and cast out all their demons. That demonstrates the will of God. He healed everyone. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, right? You want to know what the Father looks like? Look at me. The works that I do are the works that the Father gives me. There isn't this schizophrenic God where God the Father is evil and angry and mean and hates you and Jesus loves you and wants to heal you. No, Jesus represents the personality and the will of the Father. I have a friend named Ken Nichols. Ken has been used to do healing for a long time. He and I have been friends on Facebook for for years. Ken has had some amazing dreams where God has given him revelation about healing. Ken had been wrestling with this question about, did Jesus have blanket authority to heal anyone he wanted to? Or did he have specific authority from the Father to heal only certain people? And then he kind of extrapolated that question into his own life. And his question was, do I have authority from God to heal anyone I want to? Or do I only have specific authority to heal certain people? So one night he had this dream. I'm going to read it to you. In the dream, I was sitting in an empty room on a chair and I was praying and asking Jesus about this question. In the room, there were couches and other chairs around the table. I had my head slightly down and facing straight ahead. As I was praying and asking for clarity, Jesus walked into the room off to my side. I felt his presence. I heard his voice, and the atmosphere shifted. He physically walked in, not like some spiritualized visitation. He said, I hereby give you specific authority to heal all the sick, the infirmed and the hurting. That clears that up. I want all of them healed, but you will never be able to reach all of them. So whoever you choose to minister to, I not only want them healed, I expect them to be healed. I'll be there and watching you, what you do, and how determined you are to see them made well. Once you decide to minister to this one or that one, you have the responsibility to their healing unless they choose to walk away from it. What came to me in my mind in the dream was similar to what John G. Lake said in his Divine Healing Technician's Uh, to do for before they graduate from his training. He gave them a name of someone in the community, typically terminally ill or incurable, and he told them to go out and heal them and come back. And if you don't heal them, don't come back. Jesus then said to me, this is still in the dream, you now have specific authority right from me, and you never have to wonder or question again. But it comes with responsibility as well. If you give up and if you try and fail, I want you to come back here and we'll talk. I want all of them healed. Remember that. Then the dream ended. I have had hundreds of dreams over the last eight or nine years where I've seen myself praying for people in the ambulance to be healed. Uh, Oftentimes at the end of a day or a week where I prayed for 10, 12, 15 people and nobody was healed. And I doubted and I questioned, does God really want these people healed? And 
What I found was whenever I was about ready to give up and quit, I'd have a dream. And I would see myself in the ambulance praying for someone to be healed. So I kept going. And I kept going and I kept going. Even though the first few hundred people I prayed for were not healed. I kept going because God kept on urging me and pushing me forward to develop faith and to learn more about healing. The things that I've learned, I'm sharing with you because I don't want you to have to pray for 500 people and not see anyone healed. You can learn from my mistakes. (laughs) You will get this if you just keep going, uh, if you persist and don't quit. And just believe that God does want people healed. He really does. Keep on praying. One of the most difficult things about learning to operate in healing is persistence. It's great when miracles happen, but sometimes you have to keep going and keep going and keep going. I've had some really good testimonies from people who I have prayed over multiple times over the course of um, more than a year. I have a friend who, he had Lou Gehrig's disease. I first met him, he was a patient of mine. He was on a ventilator and we were transporting him from a hospital to a nursing home. And he was completely paralyzed. All he could move were his eyes. He blinked his eyes to communicate with his wife. Had no movement in his arms or legs, completely paralyzed. I mean, Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was five years into his diagnosis. He had been in a nursing home on tube feeding for three years when I met him. I prayed over him regularly, at least monthly. I would go to the nursing home and I would pray over him. Uh, Sometimes 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. One time, it was around Christmas, I went there for about an hour or two and I prayed over him. Over the course of about a year and a half, I just kept praying over him and kept praying and kept praying. And I know that I was releasing power and I know that I was slowly changing things in his body. One day I went into the nursing home and his wife, Georgianne, was there. And she said, Dave, you're not going to believe what happened to Scott. And I said, what? She said, this morning he ate some pizza and drank some coffee for breakfast. This is a guy who had been on tube feeds for over three years. He was starting to get the nerves and the muscles in his neck and throat were starting to come back and be healed. It was progressive. He was able to start, he was able to move some of the muscles in his arms. All I can tell you is that in some cases you have to persist. Uh, I know of three cases of Lou Gehrig's disease that were healed. One of them was a young lady who was a paramedic. She lives in Michigan. She, her disease had progressed to the point where she was so weak, she couldn't really sit in a chair hardly anymore. She was off the ambulance. They gave her a dispatch job, and she was getting to the point where she couldn't dispatch anymore. She was so weak. And her friends and family prayed over her for three years. And at about a year and a half into her diagnosis, everything started to reverse. She started to regain strength, regain her muscle tone. And three years after they started praying for her, she went into her neurologist and she was declared normal. The doctor said, I don't know what happened, but you don't have Lou Gehrig's anymore. And it was through years of persistent prayer. It doesn't always require a long time to get people healed. But some of the testimonies, some of the most amazing testimonies I've heard came from people who just persisted and did not give up. The woman who had... MS for 30 years. She had thousands of people pray for her over that time. And when she walked out on that platform and got up out of that wheelchair, the audience went wild. Because sometimes it just takes persistence. People can be healed instantly. I've seen a lot of instant healing and miracles. 
Praying for someone to be healed is a little bit like walking out into a woods at night in the dark with a hatchet after you've been told you have to cut down a tree. You take that hatchet and you take a swing and you don't know if that is a sapling that's that big around that's going to go down with one swing or if it is a massive tree that you're going to be hacking away at for all night long and maybe two or three days. You never know how long it's going to take and healing involves a lot of different factors. There is the release of power. There's the exercise of authority. Many people need emotional healing in order for their physical symptoms to go away, uh, particularly with autoimmune conditions. There are DNA issues, uh, chromosomal things. There are generational issues, generational sins and curses, things that need to be dealt with sometimes, bloodline issues. Freemasonry is a big one. Uh, a lot of times when people are praying to get healed, God will give the person a word of knowledge and say, and they'll just hear Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is a very, it, it is a nefarious system where people end up cursing their children and their grandchildren. And they speak those curses over their grandchildren. And it will actually give them physical conditions and symptoms. And many people have had to have, have Freemasonry broken off of them, curses broken off of them, basically, before they get healed. Witchcraft is another big one. Freemasonry and witchcraft are probably the two biggest. If you've got in your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, witchcraft, Freemasonry stuff, it's good to find someone who knows how to deal with that stuff and get rid of it in order to facilitate your healing. That Some people are not good receivers of healing. They need to change their mind and their thinking. There are a lot of different things that go into the dynamic of healing. You guys are awesome. I love you. I am going to get out of here. I'll catch you later. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.